Take your seat for about 10, 15 minutes, and then we'll go back into uh, just giving God thanks. Yes. The scriptures in uh, John chapter 1, I just want to show you something. I want to show something there. In John chapter 1 verse 46. In John chapter 1 verse 46. All right. Uh, can we start from, start from 44? Let me see 44. Thank you. Now Philip was... Uh, of Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. All right, 45. Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses, uh, of whom Moses in the law and the prophecies did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Verse 46. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing Come out of Nazareth. Philip said unto him, Come and see. All right. Uh, we're talking about an attitude of thanksgiving, and you're wondering what the scripture has to do with thanksgiving. But I think the, I think, or I mean, by my own estimation, I think one of the reasons why we don't have an attitude of thanksgiving, or we don't uh, engage in thanksgiving, or really have an attitude of thanksgiving, is because we do not understand the goodness of God. And when this guy was saying, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? All he said to him is, come and see. Come and see. Come and see. He said, oh, taste and see. You have to come. You have to taste the goodness of God. So a lot of times it's because we don't understand the goodness of God. And when we're talking about the goodness of God, a lot of times we, we measure it from our human understanding or our human uh, our perspective of what good is. But when we compare what human beings think, you know, our thoughts or our process of what is good, when we compare it to what God calls good, you, you know you have not even started being good at all. You have not even started understanding what the goodness of God is. So what I'm saying is this. An attitude of thanksgiving a lot of times, or for the most part, is always tied to an understanding of the goodness of God. It's always tied to an understanding of the goodness of God. If you get to that point where you understand without a shadow of doubt that God is good, that is who he is you will have an attitude of thanksgiving. That's why the psalmist said, he said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? Is it because of what he has done? No. Is it because of what he's going to do? No. He said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for what? For he is what? Good. It's just because he's good. In other words, if you understand that God is good, you will have an attitude of thanksgiving. It's tight. Those things are tight. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. That's the reason. That's the main reason. So we need to get to a point where we understand the goodness of God. Let me explain to you what the goodness of God is. God said, if you who are evil, if you men who are evil know how to give gifts to your children, and 
you know, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to you? In other words, what is he saying? We know that when God is saying, if you who are evil, what is God saying? It's not saying that, you know, by saying you who are evil, the Bible is not saying that you're not doing anything good. But when you compare it to the goodness of God, whatever goodness a man has is still evil when compared to God. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much will your heavenly father? In other words, uh, you are rich, you are a good guy, you are a nice guy, you help everybody in the community, you go around. If you still compare all the goodness that you are doing and you compare it to the goodness of God, it's like evil when you compare it. So there's even no comparison. You cannot compare. In other words, the goodness of God is not something you can compare or you can measure with our own natural human understanding of what good is. Let me tell you, if you look at uh, Romans 4, Romans, uh, no, Romans 2 verse 4, the Bible talks about the goodness of God. The Bible talks about the riches of the goodness of God. It talks about how rich the goodness of God is. And then it went further to say that the goodness of God, every time you experience the goodness of God, it leads to repentance. And that is why when he met the woman at the well, he did not consider anything that was around her. When his goodness was revealed to her, her heart was opened to receive him. There was also a woman who was a prostitute and who everybody thought, you know, they caught her in the act, in the act of adultery. Sorry, not prostitute, but in the act of adultery. And they came to him and they told him, what is going on? How do we sort this out? And he said, he said, if you have no stone, you know, stone her. His goodness led to repentance. In other words, what I'm saying is this, is that God's understanding of good, if we can key into the understanding that God is good, you will have an attitude of thanksgiving. Because that is when you will know in your hearts, above every other thing else, that God is always good to you. God is always good to you. Now, we may not understand it. We may not, you know, it may not feel like that. We may not know it because of what we are going through, the things that are happening around us, the things that are happening in our lives. We may not understand it. We may not know it. We may not even believe that God is good. But I'm telling you the truth, that God is good. And the Bible says it's good all the time. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every day. They are new every day. They are new. So it doesn't matter what you're going through now. And what you're going through does not negate the goodness of the Lord. God is good. He is so good that when we're yet sinners... Christ died for us. I mean, I have seen, you know, I've seen parents whose kids were just disobedient and they disowned them. We have parents who disown their kids now. They just disown them because of something, you know, they have done. But God is saying there's nothing you can do that can overcome my goodness for you. I will still be good to you. I will still be good to you. So if you want to understand or you want to have an attitude of thanksgiving, we have to understand the goodness of God. And what is one thing that will help us to understand the goodness of God? What is one thing? It's when we build memorials 
over and above all the things that God has done for us. When God does anything for you, you need to build a memorial. What is a memorial? You need, to, you need to have a sign of remembrance. And that's why God told them in everywhere. God would tell them, build a memorial. When, Aaron, when, when Jacob met God in the wilderness, in that ladder, he said, build a memorial there. Because every time you think of whatever is going to happen to you, you cast your mind back to the goodness of God. How God has been good to you. Guess what is going to happen? You are going to give thanks instead of complain. Build a memorial. So God will tell them, celebrate your Passover, the Passover that happened to you. Build a festival around it. Build a memorial about it. So that every year you are reminding yourself, you are constantly reminded of the goodness of God. And with that you can say, if God can do this, or if God did that, then this is not a problem. If you look at the shepherd, the shepherd staff, the, shep the shepherd staff, what they do is, you know, if you look at the shepherd staff in, the, in, in, in this thing, in, in, in the Jewish culture, it's actually not for, you know, kicking animals around and all of that. What those, what those shepherd staff is, you know, that, that their staff, the rod, when they say that, when, when they say their rod and the staff comfort me, David knew what he was talking about. Why will this rod and the staff comfort him? Because on that rod and on that staff that God has given David, every time, the time that he killed the bear, he recorded it on his staff. That was a memorial. The time that Goliath fell, he recorded it. Every time something happens to him, every time something good has happened to him, he put it down there. He recorded it there to remember that God is always good. That's why he was able to say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you know David is one person that really walked in the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, valley of the shadow of death in reality. He walked in the valley of the shadow of death. That's why he said, why? Because there was a memorial of the goodness of God right before him there. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God had delivered him from all evil before. He knew that God delivered him from, I mean, he had no chance against uh, uh, Goliath. He had no chance against the lion. He had no chance against the bear. But God delivered him. And because of that, he knew as he ran from one cave to the other. That's what he meant by doing I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He ran from one cave for his life to protect his life from Saul. He went from one cave to the other, to the other, to the other. He knew that in that process, God was still good to him. He knew that God was still good to him. How? I want you to know. That he was anointed as a young man. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what is going on in your life today. David was anointed as a young man. Samuel had already taken the, 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 the anointing oil and anointed him. But do you know it took him about 13 years? 13 years to actually actualize that? It took him 13 years after he was anointed. Normally when you get anointed, they pour the oil on you. And, and you know, that's a symbol that you have been, you, have been you, you know, you have the authority to the throne. And that had happened to him. But it took him 13 years to become king over Israel. But in that process, when all that process was happening, when all those things were happening, he knew that the goodness of the Lord was what would bring him to the place where he would actualize that which he needs to do. So he was just, he was just a king by anointing. But in reality, he was not a king. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what is going on with you. I don't know what is happening to you today. And I don't know what will happen to you next tomorrow or tomorrow in the future. But what I'm telling you is this, that once you are with God and the goodness and you know and you understand that the goodness of God will never leave me. He's always on my side. 
Guess what? It is easier to begin to give him thanks. You'll be in that state of giving him thanks and thanking him. And that's why if you look at the Psalms of David, there was a lot of thanksgiving that was going on. He was always thanking, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Was, does it mean that everything was good for David? No, nothing was good. A lot of times, nothing was going right. At the end of the day, the ultimate thing that God want, that David wanted to do for God, God said you can't do it. He wanted to build a temple for God. God said you can't do it. But still, David did not cease to believe that the goodness of the Lord, it was even the goodness of the Lord that prevented him from building that temple. Going back to that scripture, when Nathaniel, when the other disciples met Jesus, that's the background of the story, the other disciples, they met Jesus and they were there, they were talking to Jesus, I mean, they had met Jesus and they believed that this is the guy that they had met. And they went to Nathaniel to go and tell him the story that we have found him who had been prophesied about. And Nathaniel was like, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? But you see, you're not just dealing with anybody. You are dealing with God. Because Nazareth, Nazareth, if you look at the story of Nazareth, Nazareth was not the best of places. It was one of the worst places in Israel. It was underpopulated. They didn't have a good, it was one of the places in Israel that crops don't prosper very well. They had problems with crop growing there and all of that. So they didn't have population, all of their populations, you know, all of their population will, will, will move out of that area to go and make a living. Just like, you know, a lot of us are migrating all over the world now to go to a place where there's this thing. Nazareth, one of those kind of places where there are people who had to leave to go to other places to go and figure out how they are going to live or survive. All right? Now, also, Nazareth was not, did not even have a good topography. The geography of that area was terrible. Because it was sitting inside, you know, it's like you have ridges. That place is full of, you know, very high mountainous ridges. And Nazareth is in one of those small ridges, like a bowl in a hill. You know, within a hill, there's a bowl there. And then Nazareth was only good for Israel, they put them like at the gates of, you know, at the gate of entrance. So they were like just gate men who just watched out for the enemies. So it was a terrible place. It was not a good place. And that is why Nathaniel had the right. Because he was saying what he knew. He was looking at it from his own perspective. And he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, it's so bad. It's so bad in Nazareth. You know, they, they were rich, you know, the way they counted people who were wealthy and rich in those days in Israel was how many cattle you had. But people in Nazareth could not have cattle. That's not because their place was not even good enough for grazing. It was so bad. It is bad. When you talk about bad, it is bad in Nazareth. But yet, God said as bad as it is, something good can still come out of it. I don't understand what your situation is this afternoon. Or this evening. I don't want, and I don't know what your situation may be tomorrow or in the future. I don't understand what, I don't know what your situation has been before. But I'm telling you, it cannot be as bad as Nazareth. A bad, a dejected, a place that has no distance. But yet, God still found it in his heart to bring something good out of it. God still found it right in his heart, that that is where his goodness will emanate. So I'm telling you this evening that if we get to the point where we know 
where we get and we understand and we know and we believe and we embrace the goodness of God, it will be very easy for you to have a heart of thanksgiving. And before you know it, if you have a heart of thanksgiving, things actually do turn around. Things actually do change. And not that things grow. Not that things change alone. Things grow. Things increase. And not that they just increase. Things happen with a heart of thanksgiving. With a heart of thanksgiving. But I'm telling you tonight that God is good. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It cannot be as bad as Nazareth. And God found it in his heart to bring something good out of Nazareth. How much more you who are enriched by the salvation and the grace of God. Your life is enriched. Your life is enhanced. How much more will the goodness of God be with you and accompany you? So I'm saying today, I'm saying this evening, that God is good. He is really, really good. And he's good all the time. And you have to know it. You have to believe it. Do not allow the deception of the devil to make you think that God is not good at any time. It does not matter what you are going through. I'm telling you. Like the Bible says. He said, better is the end of the matter than the beginning thereof. It doesn't matter where you are now. It's just the beginning. But it's going to be better at the end of the day. Now, how is it going to be better? How long is it going to be? I don't know. But I know it's going to be better. Why? Because everything is income, everything that's happening to you, everything that is working against you, everything that is not working for you, if you put all those things together at the end of the day, when the, vis, when, when, when the goodness of the Lord is resting upon anything, it changes that thing. It changes it. And look at what happened to Nazareth. It became a place of pilgrimage where everybody began to flock into. They began to go back there because they want to see the goodness of the Lord. So this evening, what am I saying to you? What am I talking to you? What am I saying? I say to have a heart of thanksgiving. Like somebody told Nathaniel, he said, can any good thing come out of Israel when Nathaniel had the invitation? Can any good thing come out of uh, Nazareth? And he said, he didn't tell him anything. He didn't say any other thing to him. He just said, come and see. This evening, that's what I'm telling you. See the goodness of the Lord. See the goodness of the Lord. In every situation, see the goodness of the Lord. Even if you cannot see the goodness of the Lord, create the goodness of the Lord in your mind. Create it in your mind. Things are so bad. Things are not working right. Things are not looking good. Tell yourself it is good. Look for somebody else's testimony. Look for a memorial that you have built for yourself. Look for a remembrance. Remind yourself again and tell yourself that God is good. And you don't have to wait until things are not going right. But remind yourself every time that God is good. If you remind yourself every time that God is good, it is easy for you to just give him thanks. There's nobody here that cannot tell me that God has not done something for them. There's nobody who cannot tell me, who can tell me, look, I, you know, if I cast my mind back to the, to the past, you know, God has not done anything for me. God has done something for you. You, are just, you just don't value what God has done. If you can come in your heart and say, God has not done anything for me, it's because you don't value what God has done. But no matter how big, no matter how small, if your confidence is rested in the goodness of God, you will be able to give him thanks, no matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance. And I want, in ending, I just want to tell you, I just want to tell us that the, the, the goodness, I mean, thanksgiving, like we say, is an attitude, is a habit. 
All right? It should be a habit. It should be an attitude. In other words, it is you don't wait for a particular season to give him thanks. Thanksgiving should be thanksgiving should be something that comes out of you, you know, whether willingly or unwillingly, whether unwittingly, whether planned or not. You should be able to have it because when you say somebody has an attitude, that attitude just shows up. Attitudes are things that you can't hide. They just show up. They just they just appear. They just they, you know they just appear. The, the Yoruba people compare habits to uh, smoke, right? And smoke, no matter how much you cover the smoke, you know, you bury the smoke, you cover it, you do this, the smoke has to escape. It will find a way of escape. That's what thanksgiving is. Thanksgiving, if you have an attitude of thanksgiving, it will always find a way of escaping you. And when that thing goes out, the thing about thanksgiving, when it goes out of you, guess what it is to God? It is a sweet-smelling sacrifice. And it becomes an aroma that attracts God. It, 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 it attacks, when I, say, when I say it attracts God, I'm not saying God is not with you, but I'm just saying it attracts his manifest presence. There's a difference between God being around you and there's a difference between him being manifest. You allow him to be manifest. In other words, when he's manifest, you know, in you and with you, he's there. You have an interaction, you have a relationship, you have something working, you have something going on, you have you have something going on with him. So that's his manifest presence. When you give him thanks, it's an attraction to the manifest presence of God. When thanksgiving goes up, it becomes a sacrifice. So when we say you have an attitude of thanksgiving, we're also saying that you have, you know, an attitude of sacrifice, of worship. When the Bible says we bring a sacrifice of praise, that's what it's talking about. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord as we offer unto you this sacrifice of thanksgiving. As we offer unto you this sacrifice of praise, we want to have an attitude of the sacrifice of praise. And so what we're saying this evening is that a lot of, for most part, if you want to develop this attitude, you want this attitude to be a part and parcel of your life and a part and parcel of this assembly or this church, we have to always recognize the goodness of the Lord. We have to memorialize it. We have to bring it to memorial. You know, we have to remind ourselves constantly that God is good to you. And every time you remind yourself that God is good to you, you have no option but to just give him thanks and say, oh God, I just give you thanks. I know what this will have been, but I give you thanks. In spite of what I'm going through this, this, uh, this, right now, I'm giving you praise. I'm giving you thanks. You know, that is my attitude. The Bible, uh, uh, Pastor Ban calls it the attitude of the kingdom. That's the attitude of the kingdom. That's the character. The behavior of the kingdom should be that of thanksgiving at every point in time. And that's why we're, that's why we're bringing uh, uh, this, ourselves to this time of prayer and fasting so that we can enter into this attitude of thanksgiving every time, no matter what the circumstances, when it is good, when it is bad, when it is going well, when it's not going well, when it is great, when it is low, when you're high or low, you are giving him thanks every time because that is what he deserves and he desires from you. There's another Yoruba song that says, God's food, you know, I mean, just an allegory that God's food is thanksgiving. That's the only thing he requires from you. That's the only thing he can eat from you. It's like food to him. And God wants us to have this attitude. And the more we get into this attitude of thanksgiving, the less a lot of other problems become to us. We don't take note of a lot of problems that we have. You see, we're taking a lot of, you know, we're taking in all these problems, we're taking in all these disappointments, we're taking in all these issues that are not working for us because, because 
We don't understand the goodness of God. And so we don't connect with thanksgiving. Every Let's just turn to our feet this evening.